When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. This is your host, Jess Root from Cardswire.com, the Arizona Cardinals site from the USA Today NFL Wire. My co-host is Seth Cox, which almost always is the case, from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the Arizona Cardinals site from SB Nation, and also one of the hosts of the NFL, the original NFL Draft Breakdown podcast. Um, this is not a happy show. This is our post-mortem show after the Cardinals were embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs, 34-11, by the LA Rams. Their season is over. They are done. They lose five of their last six games after their 7-0 start. And, oh my gosh, it's, this is... How how hard was it for you to watch, Seth? Because for me, I didn't mind watching it. I've, see, I've been disappointed before. I will say this. The fan in me can get over it. The writer in me made it very... In fact, I did not, after I got, after I finished the... After I finished the, the post-game recap, I mean, I wrote about Buddha being okay. And then I didn't write anything until Tuesday night. <laughs> I, could, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, and while I'm, I, I've, I could survive this as a fan because I've been disappointed many times before, the work, the, the part, the analyst part in me was, uh, it was overtaken a little bit by the heart. And I just didn't have the heart in it in me to write about how bad it was or what went wrong and what's next. And so, yeah, sorry. Sorry, those of you who are waiting for for content on Cardswire on Monday because it, it just wasn't happening. And I'll be back. I'll be back. But I'm sorry, I'm waiting for it on Tuesday. Monday was a game. So Wednesday, well, we know by the time you hear this show, content will be back up there. But I didn't have the heart for it. I couldn't I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, that's a, that's a terrible way to go out. It's a terrible way to... In the season and, and just to be, you know, it, losing's one thing, but to bring up or just to have to deal with the entire questions that this is going to bring is what, 
you know, it, it just, it brings up the off season and it just makes it not fun. I mean, like <laughs> you, you and I are 100% okay going into the off season after a loss and being like, Hey, you know what? They're, they're heading in the right direction. And, and, you know, you and I have said for the most part this season, they are headed in the right direction. And I think we felt, we truly felt that way. Um, then, you know, last night happened and while it still feels like they're headed in the right direction, uh, there's a caveat of, you know, is this, is this the regime to get it done? Is this the regime that can, you know, take this group to the next level and, and I mean, and that goes from GM to coach to defense coordinator, quarterback. I mean, there's questions about all of it, and that's that's what sucks more than anything. Yep. And so this this show ultimately, uh, what we're doing, what happened? Can we throw? Where can we throw the blame? Because at this point, the season's over. Time to blame things. Is the season a failure? Are we worried about Kyler Murray as our franchise quarterback moving forward? The question has come up by more than one person. It's all over social media. Do you fire Cliff Kingsbury? Do we fire Steve Kime? Can you extend him? And just how important is this offseason coming up? What are the stakes? We're not going to go into in-depth offseason stuff. We've got many shows left in the offseason for that, what they need. We just we need to mourn this loss and cash things out. So let's get started with that. What, what ultimately happened in this game? Because I think for me, it came down to this. They didn't start well. Offensively, they found no rhythm early, and the Rams took advantage. And ultimately... The Rams looked like the Rams we expected coming into this season. They in that game, they looked like a championship team. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is they missed some opportunities early and they can't get out of their own way. And then this is a team that just doesn't handle adversity well or falling behind well. Like there's no calming influence, unfortunately. Um I mean, you can go to the second play of the game, right? I mean, you've got a nice little screen set up for Darrell Daniels. It kind of fools everybody. Everybody goes, why is it going to Darrell Daniels? And for whatever reason, Darrell Daniels thought he ran a four, three instead of a five, two and try to cut outside. And if he cuts inside, he gains he six picks yards. Up, yeah. He picks up. Do you stay on schedule? Which was the whole thing about the Cardinals all season. They have to stay on schedule offensively. Yeah. And then, and then the second drive you get, you know, you get a, a, penalty and then you get the I, I don't know what you call it lack of effort miscommunication from Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore on the first kind of play Kyler made of the day where you're like you're like oh he's got it today At, you know obviously this was super early but he you know he scrambles outside throws the ball deep and, and Kirk just kind of stops and you're like what are you doing <laughs> um, and and so instead of a big, you know, 50-yard pass, you get another punt. And from there, the wheels just kind of came off. And Because then it was 14 nothing, and and we, we know the Cardinals do come. They don't – I don't know if it's Cliff. don't know if it's Kyler. Something about this team. They just don't – like, they handle adversity as a team overall when it comes to 
pregame during the week, they don't handle in-game adversity that well. At least they don't if they're not ahead. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, you just had a... It it just, you know, went from there. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And it was, you know, it was tough. Um, it, It became, you know, more and more difficult for this group to come back. They were unable to find any rhythm offensively. They were unable to find any type of real uh, you know rhythm and then at the end of the day they just they just started to I I mean I they just started to struggle and they pressed struggle yeah they pressed and they were unable to get out of their own way and really you know do anything and from there it just you know it became the uh, it became the reality of what everybody's biggest concern is with this team is that they're a front running team. And quite frankly, they are, they are. And it's okay. They're built that way. Yeah. I mean, if, if things go sideways, they just don't, they don't do a good job of, of working it back. And so, you know, from that perspective, it was tough, but I mean, there's not one thing you can point to that like, Hey, this is why they lost there's a lot that you can point to and say, Hey, this is why they lost. And I think that at the end of the day is, is the thing. And, and, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about it off the air. I think bigger than anything else is the fact that this team is just incredibly top heavy. I mean, at the end of the day, the losses they took from an injury standpoint just basically handicapped them and and made it impossible is not the greatest word to use but it made it you know nearly improbable for them to win and, and you know i'm not one who likes to throw around throw around blame on play on individual players but you know it it doesn't look good when your head coach says i expect him to have the best game of his life and Kyler says he's built for this. You know, he's not. And then he looks scattered and nervous. Kyler had a bad game. And oh, yeah. that, that, he, played like, he played very poorly. His decisions were great. And, and here's the thing. That was mainly because he never got rhythm early. He is, like, he hits on a couple of throws. They get up first downs. He gets out. But you go through and out, two straight. He starts pressing. And then you get the what the heck heck was he doing throw that was okay I, I will admit Sam Brad I mean Matthew Stafford did almost the exact same thing against Tennessee that was a Carson Wentz move you know the the flip out of the end zone he was trying to force something something and it would ended up being worse you know he instead of like the under over like the lob that he tried if he had had the wherewithal to simply keep that sidearm motion and just try to throw it at Rondell's feet it's an incompletion, but it says he tosses it up in the air and Rondell doesn't make a quick enough reaction to try and make a play on the ball. And David Long, you know, picks it up out of the air and has the shortest interception return for a touchdown ever. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, the it too easy, like you said, and just, you know, they just struggled. And, and this is a team that, you know, when they can't play from ahead, it's it's been an issue. And it's something we've we've talked about here. They're built to play from ahead and 
you know, I didn't look at this, and that would probably be something we should have. I should have done. Uh, but you look at a lot of those. You know, like we talked about, like older Peyton Manning teams, right? And they had some of these similar, uh, you know, stinkers in the playoffs. Now I'm not comparing, you know, Peyton Manning, um, but you know they lost. In 2002, they lost 41 to zero to to the New York Jets. You know they lost 20 to three in 2004. You know, oh, they... Pey- one of Peyton's big knocks was in the playoffs because they would play so well during the season, get the first round by, and then get bumped in the divisional round. Um, it right. seemed like almost yearly, and that was a narrative that followed him, followed him until he got the first championship, and then. Got the second championship when he was a shell of himself, but it wasn't until he got past that 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 the that really the the narrative disappeared. Right, and you look at it. I mean, and, and again, we're not saying that he's going to be uh, Peyton Manning, but you look at you look at Peyton's first three playoff ex, you know games, and he was 0-3. Um, he completed less than 50% of his passes. And he had, I think it's just below 600 total yards passing, um, one touchdown and two interceptions in his first three postseasons. I mean, uh, you know, and this was year two, year three, and year five because he didn't, he didn't make it year one and year um, four. So I'm, and again, I'm not comparing. I'm not saying that Kyler's going to be Peyton Manning or you know, blah blah blah. But what I'm saying is that these things happen. I mean, they, these things happen. And to Jess's point, until you start winning, that narrative doesn't change. Uh, and that's the thing: as you look at it, you know, Peyton, his first three playoffs, he had one touchdown pass. Oof. His fourth playoff game, he had five <laughs> and, a, and a near perfect rating against, uh, you know, Denver and they won 41 to 10. Um, oh, and by the way, he was, he had eight touchdowns and no interceptions going into the NFC championship or the AFC championship game. And then uh, lost to the new England Patriots and, and was sub 50% through one touchdown and four interceptions. So again, like, these games, these awful, awful games, these pathetic games, these bad performances happen. They happen, man. And I'm not making excuses. We are calling and, it like it is, but this doesn't, it, it's it not. It happens a lot. Right. And it it's does. not the book. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's over for, for Kyler. It, 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 just means, it feels wasted we talk what we're going to talk about it's like it's not a season failure i don't think but but then you see then you see what josh allen did in the playoffs last year you see what joey burrow did in his first playoff game this weekend and and you're like but the truth is historically young quarterbacks in their first playoff game struggle even the great ones uh, Lamar Jackson didn't look good in his first playoff appearance. Uh, we've seen lots of young quarterbacks. John Elway struggled. Uh, you know, 
even even after he'd had some playoff success, he struggled in his Super Bowls to start off. It's just it's it's disappointing. And and the truth of the matter is, Cardinals fans, we we were expecting too much, and 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 it was kind of like what happened with the Suns. Okay, once they treated us with a little good of a little bit of like, hey, we're good. We wanted all of it, and and it hurts. But let's let's not forget that where they were coming from, they like this was a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in six years. It had a roster of guys. You know, Cliff, like let's be honest, Cliff hasn't po- coached in big games at any any level. <laughs> like yeah. he hasn't coached in any big major games. Uh, Kyler. He he's had big game experience. Obviously, he took the Oklahoma to the to the playoff. They didn't win. Um, then it was a then you had you had guys with experience who'd been to the Super Bowl before. We got like Zach Ertz and and, and Jordan Hicks. Um, that's not enough. And part of part of it is just you have to experience. And obviously, you wish it would have been different, but. You know the way the way this Cardinals team is built. If if they don't get rhythm early, unless their defense plays lights out early, it it's it's hard to overcome. Now I will say this: after they gave up the first two touchdowns, they they, they were bad defensively to start off. They also played well enough in the middle for the offense to get back in the game. They just they, the offense just never turned it around and so yeah, ultimately yeah. it was it was we put uh, if i got to put the blame on i'm gonna put the blame on kyler in the offense but also on the defense for early on because that they gave it the offense failed and the defense put him in a hole yeah exactly and this is you know this is 100 one of those things where you can look at it and go you know kyler didn't live up to his his potential and, and who he can be in and, and they failed. And like you said, this is, this comes down to the offense in this case. And, um, and, and, you know, the defense didn't play well, but like you said, they gave them a chance to get back into it and they just didn't. Nope. And, and if you don't get back into it, then that's what ends up happening. And, you know, at the end of the day, this team, it was good. I think everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, you and I would agree with that. It was a very talented team, and we talked about that quite a bit. Um, it was also a team that could not afford to lose anybody. They couldn't afford to lose... A DeAndre Hopkins. They couldn't afford to lose a JJ Watt. They couldn't afford to lose, um, you know, their key players because they were thin. And that's, I think, the biggest issue is that when you look at teams like, let's say, the the Rams, for instance, right? You have Darrell Henderson. You draft Cam Akers. All right, Cam Akers goes down or, and, you know, and then, or Darrell Henderson goes down, you pick up Sony Michelle and then 
Cam Akers gets hurt. So all of a sudden you're, you know, super thin at running back, right? So you got to go pick up Sony Michelle and, and you have Sony Michelle and then Cam Akers comes back and, and you really just don't miss a beat. You know, you, you've got Cooper cup and Van Jefferson's not bad. I mean, right. And, and, and you lose Robert Woods and what do you do? Oh, well, let's go get OBJ. Like that's what, that's what teams do. And, and this isn't a shot or anything but like you look at the cardinals they lost deandre hopkins and they said oh we can survive it and and you and i thought for a time that maybe they could but aj green's inconsistency and the fact that we've talked about it when christian kirk is put into the role of being the one or two wide receiver on this team he is just not a guy that produces consistently enough he just it is he makes some he can be great and he just doesn't do it consistently enough right and so you know you've just got you've just got so many issues from that case and that's you know what this team ended up struggling with more than anything is that they didn't have you know the the horses at the end of the day to match up right and and that more than anything and and people don't want to talk about that man like people people want to go well you know look at them early in the season yeah i mean that's the thing i mean they showed it on the on the game they were they were i think what nine and one with hop or eight and two um and averaging over 30 points a game and without him uh you know you do the math whatever they three and three and uh, five the rest of the way or three and three, whatever it is. And then they, and then they can't, you know, I think they were scoring less than 24 points a game. So you're talking about a full touchdown difference. And I know you're saying, um, I know you're saying, Oh, well, you know, they didn't even do that, you know, in this game, they only scored 11. Well, yeah. And they also were trying to conserve James Connor because he was nursing a bad injury, they, you know, the offensive line progressively played worse as the season went along for some reason. Yep. And and at the end of the day, this offense just couldn't. And, and trust me, you shouldn't be that reliant on one player. I'm I'm not going to disagree with anybody on that. But this offense just couldn't get moving on track without DeAndre Hopkins. Absolutely. And, and I'm, the last thing I blame is the Rams for being stupid good. This The way they played. they The Rams played on Monday the way pretty much, I'm going to say, including myself, everyone in the nation thought the Rams were going to be this year. They proved to be kind of inconsistent team, but let's, look, let's be honest. Most people entering this year felt that the Rams were going to buzzsaw their way through the NFC, have a crash course with Green Bay or Tampa Bay. And guess what? They've, they've won all those games down the stretch, won the division, steamrolled the Cardinals in round one. This is a, The Rams team is a loaded team. And, you know, the Cardinals just didn't, take, didn't do enough late in the season to, to overcome, with their shortcomings, the absolute depth that the Rams had that was healthy late in the year. So there's that. Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk about what we think about the season as a whole. Was it a failure? Was it really? Or was it not? That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Um, we can say that what that happened was an epic collapse, an epic failure. Was that, We talked about this a little bit last week. Do you think the season was a failure, Seth? I think the ending to the season was a failure, but I don't think the season itself was a failure. I mean, we we set out, you know, on the season and said this is what they needed to do, and and it ended up just, you know, not not working out. And they, you know, they failed at the end of the season. And I know, and I like the fact that the team says, "Oh, well, they, you know, they failed." But at the end of the day, this is a group that won eight games last year after winning five games the year before, and they won 11 games. I mean, they've improved three games a year the last, you know, their three seasons. And yes, they're deeply flawed and and they, they have room to grow. But I mean, that's also kind of the point, right? Like if this is the finished product, then that's where the failure is. Yeah. Um, And, and and I agree the ending of the season was a failure because you can't go out there and, and play like that at the end of the season, especially in a playoff game. Yeah. Monday was a failure and I, I want the players to feel like that the season was a failure because the goal is to win a Super Bowl. But only one team does win a Super Bowl, and that's the stupid thing about that. Is so if if we as fans, okay, the fan side now, only accept a Super Bowl, then we will be miserable because, well, one, the Cardinals have never won one. Two, <laughs> it's stupid hard to win a Super Bowl. You need to be really good and to be really lucky. Now, we're spoiled by seeing the likes of Tom Brady, who's been to 10 Super Bowls. That's never happening again, okay? I don't think, maybe Patrick Mahomes does it. I don't think he will. Tom Brady is a freak. His Patriots team, he himself is a freak. It's just ridiculous. Um, In some ways, it's kind of, but no, and I said this last week, this season's not a failure. It's not a failure. The end, though, the, the game, they failed at the game. The end of the, the game was a failure. Their season was not, but what their season was, was wasted. It's not a failure because no one realistically believed that this team was a Super Bowl team. I believed it had a Super Bowl ceiling, and we saw that ceiling early. Now, they raised our level of expectations only to bring it back down. They lowered it, making it so disappointing. But no, I do not say the season is a failure because this is kind of what the trajectory was always going to be. They were going to be lucky to win a Super Bowl this year with the Bucks running on the back and the Rams loading their roster. They had to have everything go right. But the, but it is a wasted year. 
It's a wasted year like 2014. And I said this on the show last week. It's a wasted year like 2014 where they started off so well and they lose Carson Palmer and they lose Drew Stanton and they just, things just fall apart. So you have that good a start in a team that looks that special only to suffer losses that you can't overcome and end up you know, whimpering in the playoffs. That's literally what happened in 2014. They go into the playoffs, they whimper, they have a, they have the record low yardage when they play the Panthers, and, and, you know, their season ends that way. It's a wasted year because they have, they had the, cat. you know, the rookie deal, Kyler Murray. It was a wasted year. It's not a failure because this is slightly less than kind of what most people thought would have happened, but you now have delayed the success another year which adds and mounts pressure to a team that is typically not handled pressure well it's been one of the big bugaboos of the franchise right like this is a team that doesn't handle adversity and this is a franchise that quite frankly doesn't handle adversity hell it's their best coach in team history in their retirement right like i know it was health issues that's the that's the going mark, but let's be honest. I mean, it was the fact that they saw the writing on the wall that, you know, Carson Palmer wasn't coming back. There was nothing in the pipeline. And I mean, let's be fair too. I mean, Arians, it's not like he went to Tampa and developed a quarterback. He went and just got the best quarterback of all time. Like it's not what the Cardinals were trying to do with, with Cliff and Kyler is, very difficult and it hasn't worked i i shouldn't say that it has worked to the extent of that they're a much better team but it hasn't worked the payoff to... they haven't gotten the payoff right and so that's what people are looking at like well and and the problem is i mean you kind of hit on it right like you're in a you're in an era where you've got literally the greatest player of all time still winning Super Bowls. And then you have perhaps the greatest talent of all time um, in Patrick Mahomes, you know, doing things that nobody else has done. Just before this game, I was talking to some people about, you know, the quarterback situations in the NFL, and they're going, you know, man, I think I'd rather have Josh Allen than Kyler, or I'd rather have Joe Burrow than Kyler. I said – you know, if you take away Stefan Diggs in Buffalo, if you take away Jamar Chase in Cleveland, are those guys that good? I mean, the only guys that have shown to be bulletproof, there's three. And and not shockingly, the three Super Bowl favorites, right? Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Everybody else has these needs and dependencies that they that they have to have. And that's the thing is like, maybe you say, oh, well, I'd rather have Justin Herbert than, than Kyler Murray. Okay. Like, I don't, I, mean, I don't know if I blame you. Maybe, maybe Herbert's better. Maybe he's not. I mean, who knows? But I can tell you that the Cardinals weren't in a position to draft Herbert uh, because he decided to go back to Oregon. Right. So it wasn't even an option. Um, they weren't in a position to draft Joe Burrow. They weren't in a position to draft Josh Allen. So you work with what you have and, and what they have in Kyler is a guy that in three seasons has again, improved each season. He's gotten to two pro bowls and he's become, you know, a playmaker in the NFL. Now that doesn't mean he's perfect or. 
Well, or, and, and the and the no players in the league, guess what? They believe in him. Right. And and they and they fear him. And that's the other thing that's interesting is that there are te- you know teams scheme specifically for Kyler. Now, on the flip side, that means Kyler has to take the next step into, you know, what he can do to now, you know, rebut. That's the, that's the whole chess game of football and what's going to make Kyler go from a, you know, uh, a guy that puts up good stats and, and, you know, and I, I don't mean to like disparage, but it's going to take him from being the, you know, uh, Philip Rivers or, or, you know, the guy that just puts up the massive numbers every season to a guy that you're talking about with that can win a Super Bowl every year. And that's going to be his ability to adjust now that teams are, I mean, we saw it in the game. They're, they're basically begging him to play through the middle of the field. Now they're, they're spreading out their defensive line. They're, they're, they're slanting their defensive tackles out and they're opening up the middle of the field. Um, and he's got to learn, he has to learn to, to take that and, and move up in that and, and be able to use that because what they're doing now is basically begging him to try to get outside because that's what he's done so well, you know, in his career. And so in order to, you know, rebut that he's got to adjust and that'll be, That'll be what, you know, what we find out about, about Kyler and where he's at and where he ranks among all the NFL, you know, quarterbacks. But for now, I, you know, I think he's done a, I think he's doing a nice job. I think he's growing correctly. And I'm, I'm excited to continue to be a part of that. Let, let's, let's build on that. So coming out of the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of Ricardo stock on the web. Let's talk some more about Murray because there's a lot, there, there are people now who are starting to wonder if Murray's the guy. They're worried about him. Let's talk a little bit more about that coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Okay. This fan base, I know I know what happens in all fan bases because he's a he's not proven to be one. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not one of those guys. But now they're worried, what is Kyler the guy? And, and the question is fair is fair only in this sense is the big paydays coming now they can extend him this offseason i don't think that will happen they can they will exercise his fifth year his fifth year option that's no-brainer and my guess is that his extension will come next offseason i believe that said how worried are you about Murray as the quarterback moving forward? I am mildly concerned, but only mildly so. And that's for a couple of reasons. But you, you, you talked a little bit already, but elaborate on that. How, how can, are, what's your level of concern for Murray in terms of being the franchise quarterback moving forward? I don't have a huge concern yet just because, uh, you know, he's a guy that loves to succeed and he loves, he, you know, whether or not he's the best team guy and all of that stuff. And I, I mean, we don't know. I mean, I don't 
know. The guys love playing with him. I know that much. Uh, but he is a guy that hates to fail more than anything. And that drives him almost. He gets ang- I, I, he gets upset and angry about it, which is why his body language looks bad because he's unhappy. I don't know if that affects. And some people call it pouting, but here's the thing: the second he makes a play, he's got the juice back, and so he grinds. He grinds when he when he's struggling. Right, and and so that's the thing is like, I think his desire to be great trumps everything else. Now, you know, obviously that'll have to come with every, you know, other things. And he's got to grow as a player, uh, continue. I shouldn't say grow, but continue to grow as a player. But right now that's the main thing, right? He's, he is heading in the right direction. He's trending in the right direction. And and now it's about taking that next step and becoming one of those, you know, elites. And, and he's got to be able to do that. And if he, if he doesn't, that's what the concern is. I, I think the other concern is, you know, he's got to find a way to finish a season. And I think, I think those things more than anything else are what are going to make or break his being a quote unquote uh, franchise quarterback. But we've seen, man, like finding quarterbacks is not easy. And you think you have one and then, and then it's, you know, whether it's Tennessee or, or Tampa Bay, um, with the Marcus Rams, Mariota. the Eagles, yeah, Marcus Mariota and James Winston, the Eagles with Carson Wentz, the Rams with Jared Goff, um, you know, Cleveland's having to deal with it with Baker Mayfield, the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, like, man, this is tough. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a difficult thing. The and, Dolphins are already with Tua. <laughs> right. And and so that's the thing is like, it just, it really just comes down to this, that he's got to, he's got to take the next step. And, and from what we know, I think, I think he's got it in him. He just, he just got to find a way um, to take that next step and we'll see what happens. The, the concern I have is some is it's weird how his pocket presence has evolved because his rookie year, he held on the, to the ball too long, but it wasn't holding on to the ball too long in the pocket. He was running into trouble. He got better about that last year. He looked great early this year, um, although there, there, there were some trends is that his he would sometimes run into he would give his offensive lineman trouble because his deep drop he would then not step up and allow the tackles to push the the, the rusher off and so he would he he goes out he runs off to the side almost unnecessarily so without if he could step up and slide the last two or three games he's standing just in the pocket too long like he's it's like he's trying to stay there and not run out of the pocket to make plays, to stay on schedule, and almost to his detriment now. Like, before he would, he wasn't bailing, but when something wasn't there for him immediately, he would move to the outside to see if, to make something else happen that was being very successful. 
Now he's not getting out of the pocket. He's holding the ball. He's holding the ball. He's holding the ball and then getting sacked or, or then having to get the ball away too, or too, you know, without making a good throw. And so it's kind of interesting to see how that's happened. Um, I would like to see him push the issue more with his legs. I know he wants it to be a luxury, but I think that's what makes him so special. You do it just enough, Russell Wilson style, Josh Allen style, is to, maybe not to the extent maybe necessarily the Josh Allen, but you've got to do that sometimes and be smarter about your pocket presence. When when you go down to Andre Hopkins, like we've seen he was just off on a few throws. It's obviously that this, this, this offense, you need big-time receivers. You need playmaking receivers to make it work. But I have mild concerns. Um, his mindset, I think, is is the right mindset you want to see. I think he will learn that he needs to do some other things. Right now, the, the quote going around social media is when it talks about that he doesn't need to grind film. And and that's not to say that he it's not to say he doesn't study film. He just doesn't do, do it to the extent that others do because I I believe what he believes and what we've seen from him early in his career that with less film study he sees things still like it it works for him. He might have to adjust that. He might have to adjust that and be like a lot of these other quarterbacks. Like, what do you, what do you know? Tom Brady grinds film. Carson Palmer, film. Like, they, they would they would grind and grind and grind and grind. Kyler hasn't had to do that. He, he might have to. And so I, I'm not, I'm not made, like, this is the most talented quarterback the Cardinals have literally ever had. Let's let's not, let's good let's 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 put this in perspective. The Cardinals have never had a more talented quarterback. He's not as accomplished as, as Kurt Warner. He's not as accomplished as as even Carson Palmer was by the time they got him. But when we're talking young quarterbacks, the Cardinals have literally never had as talented a quarterback, and the, no one in the league is like no. There's no one in the league that doesn't that that doesn't believe in Kyler. They believe in him. The, it, the old, like, if there's any doubt about Kyler, it's not about Kyler. The doubts in this league about Kyler are about Cliff. Let's be honest. It's not about anything else other than his surroundings. Everyone believes in Kyler, and I think they believe it. If this situation were to fail, if he were to be in another situation or a different coach staring, guess what? He will thrive. That That is the belief throughout the league, that he is a star. He's already a star and will be a greater star in the years to come. Correct. And that's, I mean, that's what they have to focus on and, and figure out at this point. And coming next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's get to that question. Do we need to fire anyone? Do we extend guys? That's coming next on Rise Up Sea Red. The Rise Up Sea podcast is back. The best of Cardinals talk on the web. It's it's crazy. The Cardinals have improved each of the last three years, and yet people, notable, notable guys uh, with voices here in the media, uh, lesser guys as well, certainly fans, they're ready to let go of Cliff. We talked about this a little bit last week and in previous shows. I'm on the record, and I wrote it tonight, Tuesday night, and I posted it, because it was kind of a point-counterpoint. Uh, Chuck Harris, on, who's a contributor on Cardswire with me, he said that they need a change. They need to make change now. They, they should, they should, the Kyler Murray needs 
new leadership. They need a new coach, a new GM. I wrote the opposite. Like as much as like it hurts right now, it hurts. It is. It stinks. It's the worst. It sucks to go through the cold to see as a fan the the sheer joy we went to utter embarrassment. It was embarrassing to be a Cardinals fan, considering the start that they had. It's historically bad what the collapse that they had down the stretch. And they want to change things. But and I and I want to say, I want to say this. You can't fire Cliff. As much as you want to, it doesn't make any sense. What do you think? We talked about this. Is there is there a scenario that makes sense to fire Cliff Kingsbury this off offseason? I mean, the only scenario that makes sense is if you fire Kime and Cliff and you have a guy that you have a group that comes in with a with an idea that basically sells you better of what they want to do with Kyler. And so unless that is something that, you know, and that, by the way, how do you even know unless you fire everybody? That That's right? the thing. Like, this is different than, than when they fired Wizenhunt, who had had the Super Bowl appearance, the two division championships, but then went through in 2010 and 2011 and 2012, where they experienced loss. They each of those seasons they had six game losing streaks, and in twenty in you know in twenty ten it was a disaster. In twenty eleven they bounced back and went to eight and eight. In twenty twelve they started four and zero oh, and then absolutely collapsed. It was time to move on because it had gotten stagnant. This is a team that's improved. Yeah, they kept fell apart this this year. But here's my point: is this. You've seen the high. You've seen the high of coaching of Cliff Kingsbury's coach. You've seen it. And that means you know how good it can be. This isn't, you're not floundering at 500 all year. You were the number one seed for almost, for half the season and then for part of last season. And things fell apart. So you know what it can be. You also see what at the bad. So like, is it's a, You've it's you've seen the good and you've seen the bad. Here's the thing. Who's gonna be better? Who's going to be a better head coach? Who has like who are you gonna hire who can say, I've taken a playoff level team and taken them to the Super Bowl or near Super Bowl? Or someone who says, Okay, I've taken a three win team and taken them to the playoffs in three years because we have a coach who has that resume now. I don't understand. I don't understand. I guess I kind of understand. Knee-jerk reaction, fire everyone. But here's the thing. You can't just fire Cliff Kingsbury and let Steve Kime make the next hire, right? Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at it and Kime, I mean, that, Dan Bickley wrote an article basically you know, stating they have to fire Cliff. And that, you know, Kime has given him two playoff worthy or something rosters. And then he goes on to say the biggest flaw is that Bidwell and Kime are buddies and that they need, they want a coach that's a yes man. Well, hello. I mean, if that's... So why is he going to hire a guy who's not a yes man? 
Right. So now you're just hiring the same guy. I mean, you're just hiring Cliff in a different form. You're hiring Steve Wilkes in a different form. Like, <laughs> you, you can't keep just hiring different guys that are the same guy. I mean, and that's what it, that's what it all works out to. Like if you end up, if you end up bringing in a, you know, a, let's say, you know, everybody wants to talk about Brian Dayball, you know, let's, let's start there. That's, that's the guy everybody wants. And you and I have talked about this privately. I've written about it. You've tweeted about it. Why do people think Brian Dayball is going to want to come here? Like, why would Dayball want to come to Arizona and play under Steve Kime or coach under Steve Kime? Well, they've got Kyler Murray. Okay, they have Kyler Murray, and I agree. That's, I mean, that's a nice asset. But, uh, you know, the New York Giants have New York. They have... They also have, he's getting to be the head coach of a team with two top 10 picks. They're also getting to, he's also getting to be the head coach of a team with a GM that he's worked with for the last however many years they've been in Buffalo together, right? Like all of those things are factors. Um, You know, people, people want to say, well, you know, this isn't, this isn't the 2019 Arizona Cardinals. I, I mean, I, and you and I have had conversations, and, and it is what it is, but you and I have talked about this. If you put that 2019 Cardinals team on paper, right, and you say they've got a guy they just drafted 10th overall in the first round, and they have the first pick in the draft of a draft that's got a player – at a premier position in Nick Bosa, who is, you know, turned out to be an all pro and, and, you know, you've got these two guys. So you can have Josh Rosen and Nick Bosa and go forward and forge your way in the NFL. And they just straight up had people that had never been head coaches be like, no, we're good. Like we don't even want to interview. Eric Bieniemy said, no, Mike McCarthy and, said, no, he'd been a head coach before, but he didn't want right. it. Right. And, and so, like, I just don't understand this idea of, like, well, you fire Kime or you fire Kingsbury because, I mean, you could go get Brian Dayball. Does Brian Dayball want to come here? Like, there's nine positions open. So, if you fire him, one, you're already two weeks behind. I, I don't think people get that, do they? They're already two weeks behind in in the hiring process. And two the history of this franchise has said that you will not get a top coaching candidate. I mean, we've gone through it before, but outside of Ken Wisenhunt, they've never gotten the big guy. I I think the biggest name. So uh, Joe Bugle back in 1990, I think would have qualified as kind of the, the hot shot up and coming coach because of those Washington teams, the O line that that I, I think, that's the extent because after that you had a, a retreading buddy Ryan uh, you had success with Denny Green you had Vince Tobin you had Dave McGinnis who was the, the guy that they liked from the organization that they already had they've done it all the different ways 
and kind of the same thing. Well, and that's the baffling thing to me. I mean, we talk about Cliff, and, and I don't th- like Kyler. You and I are, I mean, we are aware of their warts and we understand where their issues are and all of that. But let's also look at this. The reality is that Cliff Kingsbury has the second most wins in a single season in Cardinals franchise history. Like whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, that is a stone cold fact. Cliff Kingsbury's 11 wins are tied with four or five other coaches, but they're tied for the second most wins in Cardinals franchise history franchise, not just in Arizona. He's, He's the only other coach to win 11 games other than Arians since they moved to Arizona. Like, this is a franchise that doesn't win 11 games in a season. Right? Well, and the the thing that that, that baffles me the most is, so, they are a playoff team. What sort of standard are you setting? What side of standards? If you're going to fire a coach that has literally done what you've want, the, the big picture, we're not looking at the micro and how things finished, but who's improved every year, has taken the team to the playoffs, was within a game of winning the division in the best division in the NFL, and you're going to fire him. Because what sort of chance, because if that's the standard, who's going to come in here and say, okay, they better win playoff games, or what are you going to do, fire him? Right. Otherwise, otherwise, you're just doing the same thing. Like, I'll equate this kind of the Arizona State thing. Todd Graham, he did all right here. There were problems. He could have coached through it, but they fired him for Herm Edwards, who's been the exact same guy. And before Herm Edwards, uh, and before, you know, before Todd Graham, Dennis Erickson, kind of the same thing. They go through this thing where they, they fire someone, to have the same result. To have the same <laughs> result. And, and and here's the thing. Cliff, like, nope. Like, who are you going to bring in that's got the resume now? He did it. It's not how we wanted it to be. Look, but he's done it. And that's it. So, ultimately, I think it would be foolish. And, and here's the thing. I, I can't remember if we said this on it or not. Like, guess what? We already know. We already know they're not firing Cliff because... He spoke with the media on Tuesday. He did the, the post-mortem after the loss. If they were going to fire him, they'd have fired him already. Like, he's been the one doing post, you know, the, the, the end-of-season interviews, the, the exit interviews and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's not happening, one. Now, interesting thing, as they enter, the, and we were talking about, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, the need to extend their contracts, the finish to the season now changes my mind. Absolutely. You cannot extend him. You cannot extend Kime. You're going to have to go into 2022 with a lame duck status because now you really have to prove yourself. Is this a true trend? Is Kime, can Kime put a better roster together? Can Cliff coach his way through adversity this year? 
So I don't extend this these either of these guys, and so it's going to be a little uncomfortable because Kime's going to be in the last year of his deal, and Cliff's on the last year of his deal minus the team option. So, but but it wouldn't be hard to, wouldn't be hard to you know, to well, let go. They, I mean, and that's the thing too is I, if they get off to a, if they get off to a you know, eight and zero or eight and one or two start, guess what? They'll they'll pick up his extension. I mean, I, I honestly think that they would because if you... The devil you know, you know is always better than the devil you don't. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's funny to say this, and, and it's it's also interesting. A Cardinals fan, you know, on, on, a, on my site today said, you know, winning 10 to 12 games a year is nice, but... I would rather have a, one Super Bowl. Well, I think we all would. But I, just because you make a change doesn't mean you're winning a Super Bowl. Right. And like, there's a lot There's a lot worse things than being a playoff contender year after year. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, we talked about this, and it worked out, I want to say, what, seven years later for Philadelphia or five years later for Philadelphia. But, like, remember, Philly did that from Andy Reid and it, you know, it took a while. Um, since the Chicago bears moved on from Lovey Smith, uh, how do you think they're feeling? What, what about the, uh, the Carolina Panthers, right? Since Jim Caldwell been, on the lions, right? It's only been two years since they moved on from Ron Rivera. And don't you think that they'd prefer to have Ron Rivera back instead <laughs> of Eric or Matt, Matt rule? Like, like it's just it's crazy because you go through things and you say, well, this is what we got to do, right? And so you go back, like I said, you go to you go to Chicago, right? They they fired Lovey Smith, and and this is an apt comparison. They fired Lovey Smith after a ten and six season. I don't think they made the playoffs. Yeah, they didn't make the playoffs. They went ten and six. They were third in scoring defense that year. You know, now 16th, and and we know, you know, we know that um, Lovey was never an offensive guy. He was a defensive guy. It is, is what it is. Uh, they hired Mark Trustman. They went 8-8 eight and eight and moved to second in points and 30th in points against. <laughs> so, you know, you had that big improvement offensively and went the other way defensively. And, th- and then they went to 5-11. and 11. And then they brought in John Fox because, you know, now we got to get a guy. We, we had that success with Lovey. So let's get a Lovey Smith-like guy. We'll go get John Fox. He's the same guy as Lovey Smith, right? <laughs> it's going to work out the same. And then you go 6-10. and 10, And then you go 5-11 and 11, or 3-13. and 13, Then you go 5-11. and 11, and, and then you're like, okay, well, now that's not working. we got to go get a different guy. And then you go get Matt Nagy. And everybody's like, Matt Nagy's the guy. 12-4 and four in his first year. And then 8-8, eight 8-8. And, eight, eight and, eight, and then 6-10. and 11 this year, I think it was, or whatever, and and he gets fired. Like, you, unless you know what you're you're going to, unless you have the plan in place and you know where you're going, just making change for making change is how you end up in the cycle of being the Arizona Cardinals. That's how you are consistently the Arizona Cardinals. The thing that you have to do is establish a winning, a consistent winning tradition. 
And the, all, the teams that you can say that about that do that are are teams with with that ever you know consistency of of, of coaching and and a GM and everybody. And you on let the them coach page. through some adversity, right? You, you and, have to. And, and so that's the thing is like, are you going to be the Dallas Cowboys now? We're like, oh well, you know they didn't they didn't win the Super Bowl, so we got to move on. And it's like. Well, dude, you're the Arizona Cardinals. You've been to one Super Bowl. Like, let's calm down on the win the Super Bowl <laughs> thing. And, like, let's just worry about putting together. Like I said, I, is Cliff the answer? I have no idea. But what I do but know you gotta is give him But you got to give him next year. But I also know in two of the three seasons, he's been in playoff contention in week, the last week of the season. And he made the playoffs in one of those. By the way, the Cardinals have only made the playoffs five times in their franchise since moving to Arizona in the franchise history since moving to Arizona. And, and you know, what was that? Two by two by Wiz, yeah, one by two, by two by Wiz, two by Aaron. So this was number Aaron. six. Yeah. So this was number six. So let's not act like this making the playoffs thing is like, Oh, well, you know, that's all he did was make playoffs and get <laughs> like, this doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in this organization. And you can say, well, you, well, we want to shoot higher. We want to be better. I agree. You want to be better, but at some point you have to establish a consistency before you just move on because you think you're too good. Like, Oh, well, we should be better. I mean, should you, that's an honest question. Should, should you be better? Cause I, I mean, I can tell you this much from if you stack all the starting rosters together, healthy, yeah, this team is a is a Super Bowl contender. If you stack the starters yesterday against the Rams, well, I can tell you that's what you saw happen. Are the Cardinals a 34 to 11 team? Uh, no. But you know what? They're probably a 34 to maybe 20 21. Like they're where they were yesterday is not good enough to compete with LA. And at the end of the day, from a from a talent standpoint, at the end of the day, that needs to be understood more than anything else. Absolutely. Coming on from the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's let's talk about the offseason. We're not going to get into the you know what does this offseason mean? How critical is how high are the stakes? That's kind of next in Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web, which leads us since it's feels obvious at this point that they're not firing Steve Keim or Cliff Kingsbury. That means this offseason is critical. The, it, it, I mean, that's the biggest question, right? The Cardinals who have never been a team to, they've never been a team to kind of live up to high expectations, Let's go back to 2016. They were coming off that 13-3 and year. They were talking about Super Bowl rings, not just Super Bowls, but Super Bowl rings, and they had the all or nothing. And they come out the gate, and they just they just never found their way. Special teams was awful. This is a team that when they've had expectations, they've crumbled. But this offseason is big because if they're going to go with Kime and they're going to run it back with Cliff and Kime and, and, and roll with Kyler Murray – this is the year they have to make things happen to look like a perennial contender or 
then you almost have to go back to the drawing board and and you ultimately have wasted the entire rookie deal of Kyler Murray. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing is this was this was the the two year window, right? And now they're entering year two of that two year window. Let's all kind of put those two things together. And so and realistically, we've seen via Patrick Mahomes contract and Kyler's not going to get Mahomes money. Let's also put that out there. But via Patrick Mahomes contract, what the team can do is they can whittle down that fifth year to make it a much more palatable as well. So you could be talking about in ideally two additional years where you're getting him at that 14 to 15 million dollar base salary range, right? Before it kicks up into the 30 plus million range. And I think that's what's at stake here is because you're you're entering that time where you have to make a decision on Kyler on his extension. And quite frankly, while I I think Kyler's a good NFL quarterback and I think he can be a guy that leads you the reality is coaches often make decisions based on uh, availability, right? And so if you look at the Cardinals, is a coach going to want to come in and fix Kyler for whatever his whatever's ailing him or whatever needs to be fixed after next season? Or is a coach going to want to be able to pick his quarterback that he's going to, you know, quote unquote, put his rider, you know, his eggs in that basket. And that's, I mean, that's a fair question. And so to your point, you know, it's very rare that an 11 and six roster comes open with a, with a young quarterback on a rookie deal that's a two-time pro bowler and a rookie, you know, a rookie of the year. It's, it's very unheard of. So the question becomes, is that, is that something that would entertain, you know, coaches and, and things of that nature. And, but two, what are the Cardinals willing to do in this last year of the deal, like how desperate would Steve Kime get in this last year? Like we've talked and, and quite frankly, how I, I don't, I don't think it would be a problem. I'm just going to say that, but what would, what's Michael Bidwell's take going to be on pushing more money down the road and, and loading up for this year and next year? Like if they come in and they sell, Hey, like, give us these two years. Like, pick up our option. I don't know if Kime has an option. You know, who knows? And give us these two. Don't make us lame ducks. Like, pick up Kyler's option. Just give us two years, and lay lay out a plan. You know, is is Bidwill willing to do that? And is he willing to know if it implodes or doesn't work that twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four are basically throwaway years now, right? Like that's a that's a bad 
place. So that's what that's what this offseason is, man. Like there's all these questions about what what are they going to do and how are they going to put themselves in a position if they are on this quote unquote lame duck or if they can convince the franchise to see a two year vision, you know, and how they're going to go about it. Because at this point, the, the talent infusion needed is obvious. And I don't think anybody would question that, right? Like it's obvious that they need to address the offensive and defensive line. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Chandler Jones and they need help in the secondary, you know, mostly at cornerback. Those are none of those things are cheap, and quite frankly, those have been the same areas of need for the last couple seasons, right? <laughs> like, so, like, Steve and Cliff, how are you guys going to address this, and how are you going to fix it? And those are the questions. And like you said, dude, I mean, that's what makes it so, so big and the stakes so high is because that's a lot to ask right yeah. like yeah like it's it's a lot to ask a franchise to give you the benefit of the doubt and it's a lot to ask a, a team that quite frankly hasn't hasn't addressed those positions to address them all in one offseason to improve so that the masses are are happy. So <laughs> right. It, it basically becomes this might be, in you know, the most critical year that we've seen in forever, honestly, um, because of what it means. Because we haven't had. Because the Cardinals have not had a young franchise quarterback that they they believed in since Jake Plummer but Jake Plum like Jake Plummer wasn't on his level let's be honest he wasn't on that level um but yeah it's just it's just insane how big this offseason is and and that's kind of what has people worried is the fact that this offseason comes with pressure and then the season comes with pressure and if there's one thing that we haven't seen from the Cardinals teams over the last few years is their ability to handle pressure. And so I think that's where the, where all the worry and the, just so if it's just going to be pressure and they're going to fail, we'll blow it up now. And I get that, but it's not how, it's not how you want to run your franchise, especially, especially after you ran off Steve Wilkes after one season, then you have the next coach come in and take you to the playoffs and you run him out of town. Bad precedent, honestly. It is, and that's the thing is, like you said, if you run, if and like we said, unless something comes up, they're not firing, you know, Cliff at this point. But if you fire Cliff, and say you hire Brian Dable, I mean, say you get the top guy, and they come in and go six and ten or seven and nine, like how do you justify that then? And so that's the other thing is like, if you fire Cliff, it's not like the new coach comes in without any pressure. I mean, you have to replace a, a playoff team. You have to, and and you have to do better. And so like, as soon as you go, as soon as you don't make the playoffs or you finish fourth in the NFC West, then the question, well, why did we fire Cliff? 
right? Like they, it just seems like people don't think about all of the repercussions of one move. They just assume like, well, if we fire Cliff, will automatically be better. <laughs> that that's tomorrow, the weird tomorrow. thing. That's a weird thing to say about a coach that they like, they just don't believe in him. They don't believe him in him at all, which is the strange thing. He's led the team to improvement every year. And you don't believe in him at all. They think he's a fraud. And that's a really weird thing considering all the coaches that we've had who were frauds. <laughs> Let's be honest. Right, exactly, and like that's the thing is, again, you and I are not arguing that Cliff is going to win a Super Bowl. Like that's not the argument. The argument is like, what is, where is this guarantee, and and how do you decide that? How do you decide that the guy that you're placing with is is the better option and is going to be the guy that, you know, takes you to the next level? Yep. And so we're left with a critical offseason. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, episode 242, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. And with that, we will be back. We'll, we'll have to look at what, what we're doing. We'll probably talk. We'll probably go the next couple of weeks as we look at, we kind of break down the offseason, the needs that they've got. And then then we will start hitting our 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 off-season schedule, which is not quite as every week. So, sadly, we come to the end of what is, we're talking about wins and losses, and now we have to move on to our off-season shows. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. We should be back again next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.